My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so Have you ever heard of a game called when Werewolf? No. With no end in sight, you would never find the light you lost inside that you could find with Christ. You wanna change the Let's try that again. Hey, good morning, Patriots. There we go. Say again. Good morning. Starting to get these shows where the sunrise is coming up in the morning, and I like that. It's nice. And I can look out and see my cows that aren't there right now, probably down in the lower field. (laughs) All 30-some of them huddled around the hay bales eating away, which is a simple life. Sometimes it's a cow's life sometimes is an enviable life for how simple it is. I'll tell you. We have a time right now when the wars and the lies of wars are starting to unravel. And the politicians are starting to feel the squeeze because they can't control 
the people anymore. And that's a good sign. It's a good indication of a lot of unraveling. It's also an indication of some bigger things to come because these fools will do anything to try to keep their power. They are psychopaths, and we can't ever forget that. So on that line, don't ever forget that about psychopaths. They will starve you out if they can. They'll break you. They'll put you on your knees if they can make you. That's who they are. So for that reason, it's always important in this time to make sure that you are well supplied with emergency food. And it's not just that reason as well. We have lots of climate upheaval. We have a lot of other destabilizing events happening in our world. So that's why you need emergency food supplies. Right now, currently, the Gen Z is group is probably class of people is more in line than with uh, preparations than others, but it's nonetheless important to keep ourselves well-informed and well-prepared. We have one of our great sponsors it has been with us is My Patriot Supply. And this is a a group that is the number one food supplier, emergency food in the nation. And so right now they have the four week emergency food kit for $60 off, which is fantastic. And they have that available at preparewithbards.com. It's our website, preparewithbards.com. These are kits that offer meals, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2000 calories per day. And it's sealed in heavy-duty packaging that lasts over 25 years on the shelf, which is fantastic. These kits are all prepped. They, they ship fast. If shipping is free, they arrived in unmarked boxes. You don't have to worry about somebody pilfering it during, in the postal delivery. And if you order by 3 p.m., you're going to get same-day free shipping. So check it out. Head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. You have $60 off on that four-week supply system, food supply system, which is excellent, and you won't be disappointed. So again, preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. There is a lot going on right now. I want to play a piece here that I think is important to get a perspective on how easy it is to gain power. Have you ever heard of a game called Werewolf? No. Everyone gets a piece of paper. It's either got villager written on it, but two have the word werewolf. Someone runs the game to make sure no one's cheating, and they go, okay, it's nighttime, everyone close your eyes. Werewolves choose someone to kill, and the werewolves go. They say, okay, everyone close your eyes, it's morning time, open them again. During the night, Francis was killed. There's then a conversation, and this is where it gets interesting, mm. between all the villagers and the two werewolves over who the werewolves are. Then at the end of the day, the, the villagers have to decide who they're going to kill. And they say, well, we're going to kill Constantine. Mm -hmm. It's revealed by the person running the game, I'm afraid Constantine was a villager. And the game continues. Mm -hmm. The villagers win the game if they kill both werewolves. Mm -hmm. The werewolves win the game if they kill all but two villagers. And the werewolves usually win. The game was invented by a student of sociology in Russia who wanted to prove his thesis that an uninformed majority will always lose a battle of information against an informed minority. So that wow. just shows when you have hidden information, you can completely manipulate a large group of people. Mm. This has been the trick of the elites, and it's a powerful one. When we take information away and, and put the, all the information in the hands of the few, the mass public is easily manipulated. And so when they start to find, when we start to discover the truth and start to question it, 
they work harder at either trying to suppress more truths and also repeat more lies, which is rather phenomenal. And we're seeing this happen a great deal. I want to play a clip from the Tucker Carlson interview with uh, President Putin. I want you to hear this. We support this. So I just want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding what you're saying. I don't think that I am. I think you're saying you want a negotiated settlement to what's happening in Ukraine. Right. And we made it. We prepared the huge document in Istanbul that was initialed by the head of the Ukrainian delegation. He affixed his signature to some of the provisions, not to all of it. He put his signature and then he himself said, we were ready to sign it and the war would have been over long ago, 18 months ago. However, Prime Minister Johnson came, talked us out of it, and we missed that chance. So Johnson responded, which is interesting. And it was especially interesting for me is his location. He's on some beach that looks suspiciously like <laughs> Gitmo, just saying. But I want you to uh, hear his response and we'll get to it. Around the world, people are watching that ludicrous interview with Vladimir Putin conducted by Tucker Carlson. And we must not fall for this tissue of lies above all for the notion that Putin is somehow fated to succeed in Ukraine. On the contrary, he is doomed to fail. Read about it in the Daily Mail. So you can, there's a number of things here. The repeating of the narrative is done over and over to try to convince people, frankly, that the truth is always within them. And that's the one of the most fundamental issues of propaganda is to repeat the lie over and over. And there's a number of people, our non-player characters, the NPC crowd, that are truly locked into that narrative and will, will stay within that. What's interesting, when you look at this and you break it down fundamentally from a logic point of view and, to, and you're asking people, if this message was so important, why is Boris Yeltsin in a wind-blown beach looking very pale in the sun, giving out a some form of a X response to the world or TikTok or whatever he's doing? I think it's X on something that critical. And there's a number of things that come out. We are dealing with truth psychopaths, number one. And they truly believe that if they speak, people will listen. And I, they are so coy about it that it, and they are anymore believe that their power is so superior that everyone will simply comply. They have never conceived of the idea that the people will not be obedient to them. And so it's a, it's a, a place where they have no place to move. And in the, the un, inability to move, they simply repeat the same process over and over. The more that the truth percolates up, the more that the, sh that the elite show themselves to be obedient sheep to the messages that they're given, the more that the sheep wake up, the more that, meaning the people, the more that they become unpredictable and there's not enough messaging in the world to put them back in the bottle. Those are important issues. War right now is the centerpiece of people's fatigue and people are, to their credit, beginning to wake up, but it's slow. One of the biggest ones that we have in this is the issue of the church and its relationship with Israel. And that obsessive message has been infiltrated over the years to give an obedience to Israel 
far beyond this, the idea that Jesus was born there, but into the worship of a government and a people. In, in fact, to the belief that somehow in Christian faith, there is a two-tier faith. That Israel's Israelites, what we will call, well, we don't say that, we say Jews, are superior to all people. And that the rest of the Christians have to come along and grovel to try to hopefully get into the kingdom of God. That's this distorted piece that was originated with the Schofield Bible and the concept of the Rockefellers, or Rothschilds, I'm sorry, the Rothschilds buying up the land in the Middle East and creating the, the country of Israel so that they could begin this narrative, which it, frankly, is, it looks more and more like what you would call a hundred-year war, which is a hundred-year war on the family and the people to, and the church to make them obedient to the narrative of an end of times scenario where there would be blood pouring through the streets and it would be this great Armageddon war in, in the Middle East. It's important then that we find those voices within Israel that can give us the truth, which are hard to find in a country itself that is over 98% jabbed and a country that is doesn't allow the word Jesus to be spoken on the streets. These are the and a country to a large degree that has lost its way. So here's an important voice I think we need to listen to in, in terms of this war now that's being waged on Gaza, which has been designed to literally eradicate, expunge an entire society and civilization. This is the problem we have is that in the obedience to war, which is what ultimately that message is in defending Israel, we get the obedience to killing women and children, which is not biblical in any sense of the word. Here in Israel, for generations, we, we kill the Palestinians. We injure the Palestinians. We have more than 1,500 Palestinians in administrative detention. We demolish their houses here in Jerusalem. We cut down their olive trees. We confiscate their property, their waters. And most Israelis expect them to accept it. And when they, do, and when they don't accept it, they react in violent way. They blame them, the Palestinians. For most Israelis, I mean, we hold millions of Palestinians under occupation for generations. They are de deprived their basic rights. And for most Israelis, it can go on forever. Look, don't get me wrong, I'm not justifying the, the, the violence, but this is the, the, the I think, the, the, the realistic conclusion. How can we expect the Palestinians to live under occupation forever? Every Israeli citizen knows clearly that if you dare to show the slightest sentiment towards the people of Gaza, if you criticize killing of innocent civilians, including women and children in Gaza, you will be politically persecuted. You will go through public shaming. You will lose your job. And in my case, be put in jail. I wanted as many Israelis to know what is done on their behalf. 
most Israelis don't know. Because the mainstream media doesn't show what really goes on in Gaza, what we are doing in Gaza. They uh, wished me to die, they wished my children to die, they threatened to rape my daughter. That was the, the, the kind of reactions uh, that were against. I was called for a hearing on October 18th, and the next day I was fired. The police uh, asked me to come over for an interrogation. The minute I walked into the police station, they cuffed my hands and legs and confiscated my phone. Then, five detectives escorted me to my apartment and ransacked the place upside down. They put me in solitary confinement in a cell with no windows. They took away my watch I didn't know when it was daytime, when it was nighttime. For them, I'm Hamas supporter. They refused to enter the class. And they began a very, very violent demonstration. I was literally under siege inside the teacher's room. Dozens of students were on the windows, knocking the windows, cursing me. So who is this terrorist? His name is Mir, Mir Barukin. He's an Israeli history teacher, and he was an anti-war activist. And he was arrested in October and imprisoned in solitary confinement in November after he posted a photo online of Palestinians killed by the Israeli occupation army on October 7th in opposition to the war in Gaza. The chosen people. This is the problem. God doesn't have that. God has his people who follow him and abide in him. And it's an important piece because this paradigm has to be broken. You cannot be promoting a concept of a government that eradicates children, women at will simply because it works well with a script that we're comfortable with. At the end of the day, it's where our heart is, and it's our heart is always with Jesus. And if we just simply ask the question, what would Jesus do? If someone comes back to me and tries to tell me that Jesus is going to eradicate the Palestinians, you're not walking with Jesus. The obedience to politics in our world has become one of the greatest fabric of controls we've ever seen. We look at politics as a truth rather than a manipulation. And one of the greatest problems we've had in this time of this fight is that the war has been waged through politics. In our own military, it's created a massive problem because our military has taken an apolitical role. And in doing so, it's been taken over by politicians and politically driven people. So you now have a force that's being subject to political agendas that in its own teaching says we must stay out of a political fight. It creates a, a dichotomy that can't be easily resolved. This is the, the situation on, on a cultural level on the, nationwide and worldwide. Politicians have gained power of control of the message as they all portray themselves as voices of the people, when in fact they're hand puppets of a very selective elite that does all it can 
to control and manipulate people for the end game of controlling resources and of manipulating war. Their greatest effect is pitting people against people so that we are constantly at war with one another. It keeps our, literally it keeps our, our measurable vibration and frequency low in our mental and physical state. Those promote ill health. It promotes all sorts of mental health issues and it, it elevates up the very fundamentals of things we should never have in, our, in, in this walk, which are fear anxieties, and the number one issue is hatred for one another. The two basic commandments are to fear not and to love thy brother. All of those things are centered at the control mechanisms of the elite as they reshape the world, lie, and so forth. Now back to Ukraine, I think it's important to realize that Ukraine is a very involved issue. Obviously, as we start to see these wars fall apart, we see the truth of what Putin put before us and one can argue whether Putin was had a had an agenda or not. I'm sure he did have an agenda, and his agenda doesn't have to be anything more than truth to disrupt the lies and the fabric of lies that have been woven into this nation. When I can drive down in a small town, about ten miles away from the ranch, with people I know that have never left that small town, that don't know anything about the world other than maybe Fox News if they're lucky. And I can see a Ukraine flag flying on the outside of a building. That is a hand puppet of the deep state. And that's how far the reach of, of propaganda has gone. Somebody who's willing to fly a Ukraine flag, but isn't flying an American flag in support of Ukraine is something they have not a clue about. And at the end of the day, they become functional pu puppets for a regime of control to perpetuate a narrative of cancer. And this narrative of cancer is the cancer of hating one another. These types of mechanisms are all coming from the mouths of politicians, the liars. And they're being perpetuated by a media, which is the hand puppet. So when you see something like that, then you realize just how much overall control and how far the reach is a message from D.C. down to the local level. Take a listen to this discussion by Robert Kennedy Jr. on, Black, on Ukraine. Very interesting. This is a war that should have never happened. It's a war that Russians tried repeatedly to settle on terms that were very, very beneficial to Ukraine and us. The major thing they wanted was for us to keep NATO out of the Ukraine. The big military contractors want to add new countries to NATO all the time. Why? Because then that country has to conform its military purchases the NATO weapon specifications, which means certain companies, Northrop North Grumman, Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, and Lockheed, get a trapped market. Through March of 2022, we committed $113 billion. Just to give you an example, we could have built a home for almost every homeless person in this country. We then committed another $24 billion since then, two months ago, and now President Biden's asking for another $60 billion. But the big, big expenses are going to come after the war, when we have to rebuild all the things that we destroyed. Mitch McConnell was asked, can we really afford to spend $113 billion to Ukraine? He said, don't worry. It's not really going to Ukraine. It's, it's going, going to, to American defense. So he just admitted it's a money laundering scheme. And who do you think owns every one of those companies? The 
guy, BlackRock. So Tim Scott, during the Republican debate, said, don't worry, it's not a gift to Ukraine, it's a loan. So raise your hand if you think that that loan's ever getting paid back. Yeah, of course it's not. So why do they call it a loan? Because if they call it a loan, they can impose loan conditions. And what are the loan conditions that we impose on? Number one, an extreme austerity program, so that if you're poor in Ukraine, you're going to be poor forever. Number two, most important, Ukraine has to put all of its government-owned assets up for sale to multinational corporations, including all of its agricultural land, the biggest single asset in Europe, in Ukraine. There's been a thousand years of war fought over that land. It's the richest farmland in the world. It's the breadbasket of Europe. 500,000 kids, almost. Ukrainians have died to keep that land as part of Ukraine. They almost certainly didn't know about this loan condition. They've already sold 30% of it. The buyers were DuPont, Cargill, and Monsanto. Who do you think owns all of those companies? Yeah, BlackRock. And then in December, President Biden gave out the contract to rebuild Ukraine. And who do you think got that contract? BlackRock. So they're doing this right in front of us. They don't even care that we know anymore because they know that they can get away with it. And how do they know that? Because they have a strategy. And that strategy is an old, old strategy, which is they keep us at war with each other. They keep us hating on each other. They keep the Republicans and Democrats fighting each other, and black against white, and all these divisions that they sow. Divide and conquer, one of the oldest strategies known in conceiving power. And these people are constantly doing it. And unfortunately, people are constantly digesting the problem. But there may be something even more as an accelerant here in the States, which is more fundamental. We look at the issues there in Ukraine. It's important to note that the countries that are ultimately going to be involved in that agriculture process are all companies that create genetically modified food. All of those foods have been banned in Europe. Mexico's banned our genetic corn, and yet we continue to produce it and sell it and use it in all of our food products. Food poisoning is a critical part of the control in the United States. And it's a control that they use to dumb people down, as they do as well something else called fluoride. Little did we know that the CDC gives out trophies for water fluoridation. This is the plaintiff, Brenda Stoudemire, she says, my friend Karen and I, who is a data analyst, we've been sending letters to the CDC for the last few years because the CDC funds an annual fluoridation award to manipulate to municipalities or water utilities that participate in water fluoridation. Take a listen. My friend Karen and I, who's a data analyst, we've been sending letters to CDC for the last few years because the CDC funds an annual fluoridation award to municipalities or water utilities that participate in water fluoridation. And they give them these trophies for giving fluoride to the public for you know 30 years or 40 years or whatever many years. And we reached out to the CDC and said, hey, you guys, why are you giving out these trophies 
for a neurotoxic substance. They don't give out trophies for water utilities having chlorine or not making people sick or they don't give out any other trophies, but they give out these fluoridation trophies. And we said, that's a waste of money. Look at all the studies. And we archive all the studies on fluoridelawsuit.com slash science. And we archive all the letters we've been sending to the CDC on fluoridelawsuit.com slash actions. And a lot of the studies we've been providing CDC with are based on NHANES data. NHANES is basically this child nutritional survey where they, they do things where they track dental fluorosis and, you know, heart problems and all these things. And people have been doing research on fluoridation using the NHANES data, and they've been coming up with all these conclusions about how fluoride is harming us. So CDC's own data shows harm, yet they're ignoring it. So we've been nagging them for years now about these uh, studies and also their participation trophies. And so we just sent a a letter a few months ago again. We haven't heard back. We have gotten correspondence from the CDC in the past, um, and then the last correspondence we got from them was from one of their attorneys basically saying that we should no longer be contacting CDC and to t- contact the attorney. The fluor- fluoride is known to affect the pineal gland in the brain, which limits the ability for us to develop to a greater consciousness of thinking. It's also the one part of the harvest of the Satanists when they torture children. And the one thing that they want is the extraction of the pineal gland. That's ancient. That's not new. That goes back to the worship of Baal, which literally we're still witnessing around us. Fluoride was part of the chemical weapons program that came out of World War II, primarily Germans. And so they found a repurpose for it to put it in water. They knew what it would do. The Germans, the Nazis studied fluoride. They understood very well its effects. And so they were able to which not surprisingly happened post-Operation Paperclip with the invasion of the Nazis here on this land, they were able to bring fluoride into this nation and get it involved in our daily lives and say that it was part of saving teeth. They never looked at dietary issues, remembering that at the time that this was brought in, basic hygiene was not, the basic teachings of hygiene wasn't part of the daily regime. There was a great deal of change in the American diet post-World War II as we went to processed foods and more sugar into the foods. So naturally, sugar being one of the most addictive substances, even more so even than heroin and a corrosive substance to the mouth, were then able to lead to the conclusion with false studies like they do that the fluoride was going to save the teeth, which was a sudden problem of teeth rotting. So this is... This is, again, one of their games of manipulation through propaganda to try to degrade the public, along with that diet change. Remember, that comes out of the out of World War II, the shift of the public to suburbia, America, the taking people off of the land, the putting, into, putting people into housing of mass track homes that all look the same. It was a whole process of numbing people down moving people into the grocery market, getting people off of bacon and, and, and eggs, which was a fundamental part of the American diet, raw milk, bacon, and eggs. Pork was blamed for heart attacks when, in fact, it was actually the processed hydrogenated oils in, in uh, 
margarine, but margarine was the new replacement to, so they could take over an artificial product and put it in the supermarkets. When margarine was first brought in, they had laws in, in place initially that margarine could not be colorized to look like butter. And so color additive packets were given in the, in the piece of margarine and people would then knead it in. But as it went along, then once they had to do is just change the vector of attack, create an artificial study so that people can understand that or believe that the real problem of health was the diet, the basic American diet, which in that point in time was based on milk, eggs, and pork. Interesting. So you can see how this we went from being a very healthy nation overall, including the Mayo Clinic, which the Mayo Clinic started in the late 1800s, which was a raw milk clinic. I'm going to say that again. It was a it was a clinic treatment based on giving people raw milk to cure their health problems, until that was acquired and influenced by the Rockefeller move in medicine. All of these pieces have come together again and again to influence and degrade the American mind. And in so doing, move them farther away from God and move their dependency heavily into a state to where people become so separated from our relationship with God and our true nature of who we are that the only dependency that we have ends up being the dependency on the state. We become hand puppets and pawns on the board to literally be destroyed. What we are having to rediscover is the true nature of who we are. And that's not an easy path or an easy process to do. But the, in the world stage, as we see this, Americans are probably the slowest on the uptick of that greater awareness and awakening. It isn't that there isn't an awakening happening here. But the next level of awakening is actual physical activity to protest like they do in Europe. European farmers are winning the day. The problem with those sorts of wins is they're not permanent. And not yet, because... They're giving, giving concessions now to be able to get more leniency on their agriculture issues. But again, politicians are like a cancer. And the cancer, you can put it into remission, but unless you completely eradicate it, it will grow back. And this is basically a maneuvering of politicians to again try to regain power. These people are sick. These people are completely destroyed and, and, and rotted and in the end of the day, my biggest concern of where we're going by anybody is to be looking at some sort of an artificial intelligence replacement for the failed human model. And why that becomes a big concern is what we're not still getting into this world is people's accountability in all of this. In everything I just said, when we talk about we use a they, they meaning the elites, have brought these things into the market. But what we seldom talk about and need to put the optic on is how did they succeed? And that's a really important component because they succeeded because people wanted it to happen. They succeeded because people were willfully participant in introducing these changes into our lives. There was a desire not to work as hard on the field and in the farms. So there was a willingness to move and sell or leave the farms and then to go and to live into suburbia where everything was clean and proper and everything looked the same, uniform and, and monolithic type living. There was a desire and willingness to not have to raise your own food, but to have someone raise it for you. These are very deep issues that we have to look at from ourselves because that's how this happened. It could not have happened without that willingness within us to do just that. 
So there's a, there is a deep part of this root that has to be looked at as we move forward, especially in a reset of a nation. And as we move forward, ex- people finding more exuberance in the awakening and seeing what's happening and trying to look for other people to lead them. The real fundamental question is how much change are we going to see or are we simply being led down a path where the new system will look better because the old Satanists that we've been identifying are gone, but the new overlords take over and promise great new levels of avarice without having any substance and people are so willing to jump into this new way that they don't think their way forward. And this is truly a concern. AI is the central point of that. One indication that some of this is starting to shift a bit just happened in San Francisco, but it's a small incident that we'll have to see how much it grows. The incident happened in Chinatown, and according to what the reports are, there was a Waymo vehicle, which is a self-piloted vehicle that was targeted and deliberately set ablaze by a group of people in San Francisco's Chinatown Saturday evening. And the incident is part of a rising trend of hostility towards autonomous vehicles. This is the article out of Zero Hedge today. Crowds set Waymo driverless car ablaze in lawless San Francisco. Notice how that's framed. That it's happened in San Francisco because San Francisco has an unrestrained crime spree. Highlighted by an individual late last night on X, they call it the AI Crusades have begun, which would be on parallel to the um, many of the other anti-industrial revolutions that have happened in the past. The Luddites being most notable in the, in the 1800s. Will this trend continue? I don't know. But the problem we're going to have again is the issues of crime sprees, the way that it's shaped and the narrative that it's happening and the principles of property ownership and ultimately comes down to people's choice. And I list all those things in order because legally... Things are structured that private ownership of property is protected regardless of consequence. We are we have to see more of this, though, this sort of thing happening in San Francisco. People have to start rejecting these technologies and making the choice that we don't want them forced upon us. We have a choice. Even when we think we don't, we have a choice. One of those choices is non-participation. That's Mahatma Gandhi's greatest power in his overthrow of the British in India was his ability to get people not to not participate. So these are things to keep in mind as we move forward and understand that we have a great deal more choice in what we do than we give ourselves credit for. And so with that, we have to start being compliance, stop being compliance slaves to a system that's constantly telling us what we need to do. That's the propaganda machine. Once we start to unplug from that and start putting ourselves back into scripture as a foundation of information, especially when we start our days and start to look at things of how we look through a biblical lens, much of this changes. But as long as we allow the tell a vision and the various media outlets that are appliances that do the same to try to convince us of how to think, and we aren't thinking for ourselves and questioning and challenging, then we become again the hand puppets of the of this organized organized crime of criminals that run the current world, and they don't have our good in mind. So, in this real moment today, I think that's the the whole point of this is there is a great 
shaking going on. Narratives are being questioned. Leaders are feeling the pressure. There is a great shift happening. There is a shift in power and leadership happening, but it's going to be very easy for people to fall into the trap of idol worship, which again is politics, and that's ultimately where politics succeeds or fails, is in idol worship, in the idea of where people have to, they, they believe in their political party, their political personalities, and they're not looking and asking the hard questions of how are we going to literally live our lives with responsibility. Turtle Island concept that comes out of Native American culture, which is seven generations. What does it look like seven generations down the way? We're not used to looking at that model the way I think we need to. And in so doing, we begin to get back to the fundamental issues of where we need to be, which is we need to be setting up these home churches, those seven pillars of county by county. We need to be having home churches and the Bible center to our home. We need to be ensuring children are homeschooled and separate from the state institution of education. We need to be looking at the principles of raising our own food. One of the things, those two, I just want to back up on those a bit because Harvard right now is demanding that all its students and other Ivy League schools are demanding that all of its students take the continue to take the COVID shot. You are seeing literally a harvest happening there. Those that continue to take that shot at Harvard will either be transformed into a transitional species or they will die. Most of them, as we know, will die of a shorter lifespan. So this cult is self-terminating at a certain degree. What we have to be concerned with more is the out-of-control issue of when these technologies become to be mastered and they start to be able to literally transition people with these technologies into some hybrid species, which is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get this in, in people's lives. And it's a time now that the true speaking of humanity and the power of who we are has to be put forward. So... Let me bring this back then to a couple of things. Sunday mornings, we do our Sunday morning prayer, three hours block of prayer. And every single morning that we do those, every Sunday morning we do those, we do, we get testimonies of the power of prayer. That's a proof positive that there's no greater species in the world than than the human species that God created, us, children of the Most High. And yet these people are trying to destroy it. That's a continued pressure that should be on each of us each day, just to pray into things and use prayer as a fundamental weapon of change. Because with that, we create the demonstration of the miracle God that literally brings people to Christ. And that's testimony upon itself. We also have to get people back to the fundamentals of what it is to live and, and breathe and consume that which God intended us to consume, not this garbage they manufacture in, the, in, the, in their labs for us to, to eat and whatever else we do and the horrors that go along with that. And so there's a, there's a principle that I'm starting to really work with and it's a question to ask every man. And this is a, a question that needs to be framed appropriately because it can be misconstrued, but it particularly deals with hunting and butchery. And the, the question is, when's the last time you killed your food? and killed something and butchered something for your dinner table. This is a fundamental aspect of life that once we get that reinstated, you're not going to have this distortion of what of where we live. And we have to get back to this because problem we go back to the 
beginning here today of the looking at wars, men are losing, as men lose purpose and are detached from real life work, they become easily recruited into the models of fighting and warring against one another. Men are intended to do that hard work. And as women then are empowered to do more things and and they're pitted against men to be equals. And we have taken away one of the most powerful relationships we all need to have, which is the root in our relationships with God. The adventure, the breadwinner, the empowerment, the ego, the pride, all of these emotions get fed. And so where men are short, perhaps, in, in the recruitment, we bring in the women to do the same thing. We're all getting played. And fundamentally, we have to reset that and encourage everybody to reset that by getting back to some fundamental issues. Home churches, homeschooling, grow your own food, work for yourself or work for somebody of, of like mind. Break from the medical health system and use God's gifts of prayer and the herbs and food that we have in this world to heal ourselves. Have that faith. Become informed and stay informed and steward and conserve appropriately for what we have so that we become good stewards of the earth. It's fundamentally that simple. And if we do that on, on a local level, the rest of this other stuff falls off and it's no influence at all. Patriots, we have a prayer request that came over from yesterday, actually two of them we're going to close with today. We're going to pray into these and then, and then we're going to move to um, a closeout prayer. So this first one comes from Kit Kat. Um, it says, "Idols of the heart can even can be even your children and grandchildren." As Father Jesus and Holy Ghost have been taking me deeper into relationship with Him, I have s- sinned, and I am asking the throne for forgiveness to remove the sin I have tolerated. I am praying for my son Jared, age thirty-three, and my daughter Carly, age twenty-nine whom both grew up living, loving Jesus and serving kids ministry when they were young teens. My son came out to me at 19. I had, um, I received it by saying, I will, will always love you. Just promise me that you will not lose your first love. My sin has been that I tolerated it without rebuking the spirit of homosexuality because I didn't want to lose our relationship. I put Jared before God as an idol. He took the J&J shot and the Pfizer booster, and our differences set us apart anyway. In a similar way, my daughter has given me four grandsons, but is not walking in the faith she once loved and is not married to a father of her children. I came to... It came to a head with her at Christmas when I was visiting them up north. I gave my eldest grandson, nine years old, a little crocheted cross with a paper inside. She read the paper and accused me of using dogma and propaganda to influence her child. She said, he will choose whom he follows and serves, not you. So much anger. My grandson's faith in Jesus was organic and was built by by five years of, of me living in my own space and watching him nine hours a day, five days a week while both parents worked. After she yelled at me, he came to me later and said, don't worry, Grammy. I believe you and what you have told me about Jesus because I love him and no one will tell me not to believe in him. 
She no longer wants me to visit them as before, pushing me out of, of their lives because of faith. This is the greatest pain and separation from, a, from my adult children I have ever known. But God, pray, to, pray, them, pray they return to Jesus. Pray they are kind to their children. Protect our four grandchildren from one, from one year to nine years old. That Holy Spirit shows himself to my grandsons in my absence and teaches them on all things. Pray Jesus takes me deeper into what he has in store for me and that he fills the pain of rejection and separation and is his plans for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Exodus 20, 30-5, KJV. Thou shalt no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above and is in and that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under, under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children until the third and fourth generation of them they hate me. That's from Kit Kat. This is, a, this is one of these difficult places that it deals with a lot of pieces. And one of the things we have to be aware of as well is generational curses because they're there and we can make those ourselves to pass on to the children and the grandchildren. They can go right through us. I know that some of that part here in the story that Kit Kat's done an amazing amount of work in her walk in faith and I, I commend her for that. And it's a beautiful story of her coming deeper into Jesus and and walking a, a, a walk that's been profound. We're left often because of that with pieces that we have to suffer through, but they're not, nothing is impossible for God to correct. Father, I'm just going to pray into this this morning and pray into this prayer request for, for Kathy, a.k.a. Kit Kat. And just this, what we're witnessing here is obviously a deep fear. And it's, a, and it's the demons that are being speaking through here in her, both her son and her daughter. So, Father, we're just going to go in and we're going to pray into this and begin with the approach to her son, who has rooted this a, a demon of homosexuality. And so, Father, we just pray into that and we pray into that, that son's heart and we pray life and love of Jesus into that heart. And Jesus, we're placing a seed within his heart, a seed that will grow a seed that will give spark, a seed that will find that there, the wound that he's felt from a childhood, a wound that has come from measures of pain, of, of separation and pain of abandonment that is there, that is now going to be healed in a deeper way, a way that is he, we breathe life into him, that that wound now, is the, we, we place that seed in there and it begins to grow, and it grows into the glorious love of Christ that is, is within him. We know that that demon will ultimately try to fight its way through. And in there, there is a difficult place that every person has to face when we accept Jesus. And we, we have to speak these words, I forgive myself. And so, fathers, we pray in here, we pray deeply into this. We just pray that this young man can speak those words, that I forgive myself as I accept Jesus. And so we pray that blessing upon his heart. We lift our hands around him and we pray that and say, as you speak that, 
we also cast that demon out. So, Father, in this moment in time, we're just going to ask for healing angels to be accompanying him, to help him through this moment. And Jesus asks that you'll place your hand upon him, Jared, to lift him up and to heal his heart and to lift him up and to see that separation now happening, to get to the real Jared as the overlay of Jared that is this, this demonic force that has circled his heart to tell him that he's not, he's made by an imperfect God. We rebuke that lie, bind it, and cast it to the feet of Jesus. And so we speak into your heart that you're made in the perfection of God. And in so doing, the perfection of God was never to make you gay, but rather it was to that you would be who you are as a young man. So we're praying into, again, it's the, it's the power of the blood. The power of the blood. You need to go hunting, Jared. You need to go hunting and put your hands in the blood, for the blood changes everything. And it's there that we start to be released from this world that we're in. The irony here is that it is the worlds that we create, the separation of men from the real na nature of who they are, that allows for this demon to step in. And so we're praying, Father, for the experiences that will be placed before Jared, that he will allow him to step into this place of being truly a man in the truest sense and awaken that deeper part of him that's been cast aside and, and overwritten by a very strong demonic force. And so we rebuke that demon and we proclaim Jared in the property of, of the kingdom place a hedge of protection around him and pray Holy Spirit within him to lift him up. For the daughter, or Kit Kat's daughter, pray into your heart and the awakening of the seed of Christ that was placed there when you were young. And whatever has happened in this torment, the pain and struggle, often it's from the, it's from the mother to the daughter, mother to the father. There is, there is some pain there that has to be healed. And there's some issues of strength and struggle that have to be healed. So there we pray into a timeline for each of them, and Jesus has asked that you'll be there to allow them both to reflect deep within the mirror to see where it is within them. What is it deep within? And in so doing, as we pivot and we see the reset of a life where now Kit Kat has moved back into the orbit, truly in the fullness of Christ, these are like strings that are tied to our hearts. And those strings are now pulling at her daughter's heart because the daughter's feeling that pull and is afraid to step across afraid because there's bitterness and anger from a past. So Father, we just praying into a, a healing into that past, that timeline, that Jesus said you can walk into that timeline and heal them and to, to heal that heart. And in so doing, breathing life through her into the grandchildren. And so Jesus, as we just ask that you put your arms around these children and embrace them, touch them, knowing that there's a voice in their life, even though it's been separated now, that loves Jesus and is speaking Jesus into them. And as a prayer, we speak Jesus into the heart of the children. And for the grandchild that now has accepted Christ and has told his Grammy that she, he was going to literally not walk away from Jesus, he has a power within that family. He's a true root of an anchor, a root for a great tree to grow. So allow that voice now to be spoken as he speaks back into his mother. For children are not just to be, to be taught, they teach adults. They are a two-way, for they are closest to, the, to God and closer to God than we as adults are. So Father, we just pray that that strength will come to him, that he'll be able to speak into his mother, that the power of Jesus will come through that child to speak into the mother's heart. And those wounds that are there that can be aired and be discussed, they have to be preyed upon. Because there's, there's things there that are happening from grandmother, from mother to daughter to, to grandchildren. There are things there that have come there that need to be healed. Things of that past that have passed on this, that have left a bitterness in the mother's heart. 
but we cast that bitterness out and we pray for the healing of that heart and we wrap our arms around her. We lift her up in prayer and we say, Father, shed your light on this mother. Speak life into this mother that once loved Jesus. Where is that voice now? We raise that voice up. We're now putting, it's the spiritual can of watering that we're watering that seed that's there. It's there. It hasn't gone away. It's just been rolled over by the years of anger and frustration and pain and those sorts of issues of separation and not feeling and feeling abandoned in certain ways. But she's never been abandoned. Jesus has always been with you, but you've convinced yourself that you've had to carry so much of your life on your own. You've forgotten what was been given. You've forgotten what was nurtured for you. You've forgotten what, where God was in your life and where your mother was in your life. So it's time to honor that which was given. And those are difficult pains because to get there, we have to look ourselves deep in the mirror. So there's something great there in the heart that needs to be healed. But it begins by the reflection, the true reflection in the mirror. So, Father, we just ask for that moment to happen. A moment of, of great witness, a witness with Jesus in this family, that they can truly feel Jesus in the heart. The children will feel it. The mother may be slow, but the children will lift her mother up and heal her. And in so doing, Father, we pray a blessing of healing over this family to reunite them and bring them together. In Christ Jesus' name, we pray and declare. One last prayer. I need prayers, please. I lost the end of my f of a finger Friday night and cut off, cut a thumb off bad, or cut my thumb badly. Excuse me. Doctors were able to sew it back on, but I can use prayers for speedy recovery in Jesus' name, Abraham. Well, Father God, I'm just going to pray over Abraham right now. We just pray a miraculous healing, a restoration of this finger, a restoration of a miraculous healing over this finger, and we declare this in the name of Jesus. We see this finger being completely restored, both fingers, nothing short, nothing cut less. This is truly a power of miracle healing. As we pray over this, pour over this, and we see the blood of Christ touch this, this is a full restoration completely as designed and perfection of kingdom. We declare these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, I just want to thank you today for this opportunity to come together as we have in prayer and in, in blessings and in all that we do. We pray. For, we are thankful for this fellowship that has come together each and every day to come be able to pray and to listen to the world, to reflect deeply on our relationship with Christ as we walk in a very myriad world of, of chaos and lies. Father, we pray for discernment upon each and every person, and we pray that discernment on their hearts, that we can step into the world each day to separate that which is unreal, separate that which is chaotic, and always put ourselves in the lane of truth. And as we lift ourselves up and lift everyone up in this nation, Father, we place ourselves before the throne. We say thank you. We raise our hands in praise, and we say thank you, Father, for all that you bring to us, all that you fill us with, all that we walk with. For we seek nothing more than the greater service to you. We humble our hearts before you. We are humbled beyond measure for all that has been done for us. And now, Father, in this hour, we just seek to become the greatest warriors in this time that we could be, being obedient to your way, obedient to your word, and be obedient to your walk. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, this is an interesting time indeed and a time that requires a great deal of focus and discipline in our, in our prayers. And, but it is to remember that there's nothing greater in this fight than our prayers. So stay focused on those prayers. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. 
God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, 
For we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.